it's something that we hold sacrosanct. It's something that we hold incredibly powerful within this marketing organization is the fact that you can't do your job effectively without not just visiting a bar every so often, not just going to one sales meeting a year, but really prioritizing being in the markets, being at your accounts, talking to your sales teams, to your bartenders, to your distributors as often as you can to really get that level of insight that you can't get anywhere else. Welcome to Top Shelf Integrity, where we give you an inside look at how we, the Beam Centauri on-premise team, maintain our best-in-class standards in the alcohol industry, and what makes us the best team in the business, bar none. It's about service at the end of the day, and we're going to show you how we do our thing so you can level up yours. What does Top Shelf Leadership do differently? What does it mean to show up for your customers and your teammates? How do you balance innovation and honoring legacy? It's all here. So grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's pour one out. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Top Shelf Integrity. I'm Dan Cohen, Senior PR and Social Media Director at Beam Suntory. Uh, I'm here in the Merchandise Mart in Chicago, as always, enjoying a cocktail and doing a podcast. And I'm with a very special guest today, John Marks, it's the Senior Director of Global Small Batch American Whiskey at Beam Suntory. Hello, John. Hey, how's it going? Great to have you here. It's good to be here. Been working with you for a number of years, so it's fun to actually sit in a, you know, with a headset on and a mic in front of us. This yeah, is a no unique. big deal. So yeah, so we're going to we're going to dive in and of course, per tradition, we're going to talk about the drink we're having. Um John, I'm going to let you go first. What are you drinking right now? My hand. I've got a glass of uh, Basil Hayden toast, new Basil Hayden we came out with a couple months ago that is just starting to hit shelves. Really, really nice new mash bill, uh, secondary finished in some toasted barrels, just delicious all around. That sounds awesome. It looks great. I'm actually also, this is a, usually I'm having a cocktail in these sessions, but right now I'm drinking a Jim Beam white label on the rocks, old standard. Uh, the, the classic, the classic one of the, you know, the name on the door, so to speak, you know, it. a brand that will outlive all of us and all of our grandkids. And that's part <laughs> of what I excited. Part of what gets me excited about working on Jim Beam is it's lived for 226 years and it's going to live for a lot longer than us. So, um, that's why I'm drinking that today. And I'll also say, we're going to have one drink today. You know, everybody out there, hope you're enjoying a drink with us. Hopefully it's uh, maybe at around happy hour and you, uh, drink smart, drink responsibly. With that said, let's, let's dive in. So this is a special episode because we, we haven't had a, a kind of a pure brand management expert on the series yet. So today we're talking about brand building, about marketing and how we market to consumers as kind of brands do, but also in a way that strikes the right balance with the on-premise with bars, restaurants, buyers, bartenders, which is kind of not an easy challenge and not every marketer out there in kind of CPG world deals with, but we have a unique environment here. And I guess, John, so to kick it off, how would you just kind of define your role at Beam Suntory? Yeah. So I, I work on a team that we're really responsible for thinking about what are the different ways that our brands, what do they stand for? What do they promise? What are the products we're going to give? Really all of the questions of what are the brands themselves, but then also how do we want to bring them to the world? And how do we want to bring them to consumers, to bartenders, to our sales teams, to all of our other stakeholders? What's the right way to tell their stories? What's the right way to build the experiences that we want to give all of those people with those brands? And then what are the tools, the assets, the strategies that are necessary to bring that to life? Uh, and our team really works across the business. Uh, we work really closely with our on-premise team, with our off-premise teams, with our regional marketing teams, our national marketing teams, everyone in between really on just making sure that we're crafting that really authentic, rich 
brand story, brand experience, and then how does it carry all the way through to the end, um, ultimately to the consumer, but then everyone in between. Yeah, that's a that's a great description, great job description. I mean, I guess I'd I'd, I'd say so. To get more specific, you, know, you you create marketing programming, positioning strategy, all of that great tools. You work with everyone from my team on PR and social media. You work with all the different cross functional departments, and a lot of what marketing is is you're talking directly to a consumer. You might be creating an ad or a social media post or a press release or a point of sale material. All all of that goes directly to a consumer. That's how they engage with our brand in one way. The other avenue is marketing um, to the 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 on-premise where the sales team is going to come in. The sales team or the local marketing team might work with a buyer or an event person or a bartender at a at a restaurant or bar. Um, so there's kind of another degree of separation from, from totally. marketing. And kind of, I guess talk about that dynamic. When you're when you're marketing, when you're building your brand, you're also thinking about arming others to market the brands for the company. Yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing for us is that at the end of the day, it's all the same story you want to tell, but the way you're going to tell it's going to be slightly different. And it's important for us all the way at the very, very beginning to think about that and to think about what is it that is going to make this story be told in the most effective way, depending on who's telling it. Um, so to your point, yes, one of the things we will do is we'll create advertisements that might go on a billboard on Orlean Street down in Chicago that tells our brand story. That's a pretty simplistic, easy to understand, right? We're telling the story through our creative meetings to our consumers. But in reality, especially in this category, consumers find out about things through other people so frequently, um, and most notably bartenders and through the on-premise. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, okay, if we want someone to tell the story of the fact that a Basil Hayden is a really interesting way to start your evening off um, as a drink, we can do that in a billboard, but we also have to think about what are the ways that we're going to tell bartenders about that? What are the ways that we're going to explain to bartenders what makes it that way? And those aren't always the same answers to the same to that question. Um, bartenders tend to crave authenticity. They tend to crave transparency. They want to know what's going on. They want to know why. They want to understand why we have the right to even say the things that we're, we want to say. And we're able to get a little deeper with them. We're able to talk to them about what those different levers are and why we believe that that's the right approach. And so to your point, Dan, it's about arming our teams with all of those details and all of those nuances and those facts and those stories and those assets and those tools to be able to have that conversation with bartenders so that ultimately it's the same story that's being told, just told by different people at different times. Yeah, that that's great. And I, you know, to put myself in the, in the on-premise sales rep shoes and the distributor shoes for that matter, you're going into an account, your job is to sell a product. It's to kind of provide the, uh, the thing of value to an account who needs that product to be able to fill their back of their bar or poor or their customers. So it's very transactional. Obviously this is a, a sales avenue yet there is that need for the sales rep and for the on-premise team to truly kind of understand and kind of, you know, align with the marketing message. What is that dynamic? What, what is the challenges about marketing a brand at a kind of big, kind of broad level, but doing it in a way that really gives the sales team what they need? There's a couple challenges I can think of uh, in terms of that area. I think the first things first, really thinking about what is it that, what is the tool? What is the asset? What is it that's going to help to engage and educate our, our sales teams on what they need to know about the brands? And that could be literally a piece of collateral, like a sheet of paper, a sell sheet. It could be an experience. It could be an event. It could be anything. But thinking through that and really working closely with our on-premise teams on what they need and how they need to learn that information and what tools and what things like that will make a difference. 
But it's also then about thinking, what is it that our bartenders would want to know? And what is the most engaging way to engage them? And what's the most interesting way to bring this information to them and for our sales teams to bring this information to them? So as a really simplistic answer, sometimes all that our sales teams might need is a really, really robust, interesting sell sheet, something that can just explain the story, explain the facts of the brand, things like that. But the way that they're going to talk to a bartender is in the fact that they're going to put on a sampling experience and a tasting experience for staff education in their bar. And so our team works really closely with your team, with all of the other teams throughout the marketing um, and the sales world within Beam Centauri to think about how do we then take that piece of content, that sell sheet, that piece of information and translate it into something that can be used for staff education, for training a bartender, training an entire bar staff within an on-premise account. And what are the ways that we think about that? Yeah. And also, I think it's probably worth noting uh, some of the brands that you work on. I think it's worth, let's name drop some of these brands because you, <laughs> you know, your title's impressive, but some of the brands that you've been behind for years are incredible. And anyone who's, who's listening, who likes bourbon or American whiskey, they're going to know everything I'm about to list off. And I mean, Knob Creek, which has obviously been a staple in super premium bourbon since super premium bourbon was a thing. Booker's, which was the original small batch, you know, uncut unfiltered product. Basil Hayden, you already mentioned Baker's, which is obviously a kind of bourbon, bourbons kind of drink and product, uh, old Overholt, which has been a bartender darling, old granddad, old crow, uh, many more legions. So just want to give you kind of give the the audience a bit of some of the background on some of these brands that John has been uh, behind for years and, and he's certainly been a part of some of this major, incredible growth that we've seen just to provide context. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the best parts of the job is the fact that uh, the American whiskey bourbon is just booming. Uh, and we've got so many amazing players within it that can help us to sort of, to, to take little pieces of that, no matter where we go, whether we've got Basil Hayden, which I mentioned earlier, is just such a, a nice way to welcome people into bourbon, welcome people into, um, whether it's their first drink of the night or whether they've never drank bourbon before, it's just such a nice way to just change people's perceptions about it all the way through to your point to Knob Creek, which is just one of the standard bearers of premium bourbon throughout all the years and the opportunity we've launched Legion. We've launched little book in the last few years. Um, we've doing some great stuff on old Overholt right now, just all of these different places, just to make sure that we've got something for everyone within our portfolio, every type of bourbon drinker, everything that anyone was looking for. We've got a brand for that. Uh, and they're just amazing, beautiful brands that, uh, to your point, Dan, you made earlier on Jim beam, they're brands that will outlive all of us and be along well after we're, we're gone, but are just so special to have been a part of their story right now um, for all 10 of the brands that are in the small batch portfolio. Yeah. And I mean, these brands, they're heavy hitters. They're part of the, uh, some of the most influential and kind of a highly coveted brands in the industry. So along with that comes a certain level of responsibility, a certain level of kind of, of risk of marketing them in a way that doesn't appeal to a bartender or a consumer's like, I've been drinking this product. My dad drank this product. I feel like you're marketing it kind of off or you're, you're talking to me in the wrong way, or a bartender might get turned off by something that we say or do. Can you talk a bit about the risk of when you're, yeah. when you're marketing some of these brands, what, it, what is the risk you're facing? Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest risk is you've got this big contingent of people who love your brand today. Um, and for some brands, it's bigger than others. And for some brands, obviously like a Jim Beam, it's a massive, massive group of people that know the brand all the way down to a booker's where there might not be on pure numbers, a lot of people who know the brand, but the people who know the brand are the most influential in the, in the bourbon industry. And they're incredibly special, incredibly important. And, and the biggest risk you have is that you say or do something that is antithetical to what they believe the brand should be or is or was uh, in the world. And that could be 
making a decision that's not authentic to the core of what the brand has been. It could be making a change to something that's held sacrosanct, that's held that it's been this way for 10, 20, 30, 50, hundreds of years. How are you doing something differently? Or it could just be trying to pull one over on our consumers or our bartenders. And that is really, I would argue, probably the most important thing that anyone in our marketing organization does is ask themselves the question of what is the most authentic, what is the right thing to do for this brand? And, you know, we apply tests, the question of if, if a consumer were to find out that we did fill in the blank, whatever fill in the blank could be, could we with a straight face, look him in the eye and say, this is why we made that decision. And if we can't answer that question, if we can't say, yes, we could, then we won't do it. And because we know that, especially in small batch, especially in the premium side of bourbon, American whiskey, but really all of spirits, authenticity and that being true to what the brand is being true to what the brand has been and will be is so important to everyone. That's the first step more than anything is just making sure that we're doing that. And then you layer that in with how should we behave? Are we behaving in the right way that a brand, our age, our, our development should behave? Sometimes that might mean maybe being a little bit bigger than we have been in the past, right? You look at a brand like Basil Hayden, Basil Hayden 10 years ago was a 10th the size as it is today. That means we're gonna have to behave differently today than we were behaving 10 years ago. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with the fact that there is literally a billboard on Arlene's right now with a big bottle of Basil Hayden. 10 years ago, that would have been crazy to think about. So sure, sometimes that's going to turn some people off. They're going to say, this was a special brand to me. I can't believe you're advertising it, but it's all about saying, okay, but if we're going to go do something, if we're going to go behave in a different way, how do we do so in a really rich and authentic way to what the brand has always been? And how do we always behave in that proper way? And the beautiful thing about what we have here within Beam Centauri is the fact that myself, my team, everyone within the marketing organization is amazing, but we've got so many other resources within Beam Centauri that can help us to understand those things. We've got people like your team and the connections that you have within the broader industry. We've got the most amazing family in the world with Fred and Freddie and the fact that everything we do, nothing goes out the door without them seeing it first to make sure that they feel like we're attacking it appropriately and everything in between. And I think that that's, that's really not only is it the most important thing for our team to think about that way, but also we have the resources to make sure that what we're doing is authentic and true in every way to what the brand is supposed to be. Yeah, that's great. And I think the idea of having this kind of range of perspectives and assets to help inform uh, the marketing, the positioning, kind of what goes out the door. Uh, I think the other piece to this is, is, you know, the need for us as marketers to not just market from our desk, from our home remotely, from the office when we can be here, but kind of be in the real world and kind of actually sit at the bar or sit with a buyer and actually kind of understand a bit more of what they need. And there's a concept called Gemba, which is a Beam Suntory <laughs> concept that is a term that I doubt any non-Beam Suntory listener maybe understands. Um, can you talk about Gemba? What is Gemba and how does that apply to marketing? Absolutely. I mean, Gemba in, in loose terms is just, it's going where the action is. It's going to the bar. It's going to the retail store. It's going to meet the influencers. It's going wherever, wherever it is. It's not marketing from the ivory tower of the merchandise mart. And it's something that's really important that we, we instill within our entire marketing team that, you know, there's work that can be done here at a desk and there's work that can be done with your creative agencies, but the real insights into the business, so many of them are going to come from being out there. Um, and we tell all of our marketers that if you think this is a desk job, this, this is not a desk job. This is a job that might have a desk sometimes, but the real insights you're going to get, they come from ponying up to a bar and asking a bartender what they would recommend, or they come from going and experiencing a stadium experience when you might be marketing like a Jim Beam highball. 
and really looking at how everything is done within that space and trying to say, okay, how do I actually kind of break into that space or talking to people? They come with sitting down and talking to bartenders, sitting down and talking to consumers or talking to your distributors or your sales teams. That's really where the most important thing we can do in this and from the marketing standpoint can be. It's getting to know what's happening on the ground. And it's been one of the best parts. I will say I, I personally I've been with Beam Centauri for about five years, but I came from a consumer packaged goods background. And in CPG, it was all about the end consumer. And you could really just think about the end consumer and, and everyone along the way was more just a customer. You had to sort of figure out exactly how they want to sort of deal with their portion of your supply chain and of your value chain. But within this industry, the level of insights you can get at every step along the way is fascinating. It's incredible. And bartenders often know what consumers are going to want before consumers want to know them. And our on-premise sales teams often know what consumers are going to want before consumers know that they want them. So if we're sitting in our ivory tower at the Merchandise Mart and we're not talking to all of those people, and it's not just talking to them on Zoom or on Teams or anything like that. Obviously, the last 18 months have been different. But even before that, and I'm sure after that, going and sitting down and sitting and looking our sales teams in the eye and saying, what are you seeing? What are you seeing consumers do or talking to bartenders? We're not marketing effectively and we're not thinking about where brands and categories and everything that we're working on is going if we just kind of think that way. So it's, it's something that we hold sacrosanct. It's something that we hold incredibly powerful within this marketing organization is the fact that you can't do your job effectively without not just visiting a bar every so often, not just going to one sales meeting a year, but really prioritizing being in the markets, being at your accounts, talking to your sales teams, to your bartenders, to your distributors as often as you can to really get that level of insight that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, that's great. And also the other piece is there's no one more transparent and kind of to the point um, than a bartender. They will tell oh. you what they don't like about your brand. They will tell you what you messed up. They will tell you what their 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 customers are telling them. And they are absolutely on the ground. They they know what's going on, their fingers on the pulse. And that's obviously part of some of this insight that we're pulling from just understanding the the real world, getting out in that gemba term, which is a Japanese term, by the way. Um and uh, we we kind of live it with Beam Centauri, but we really try to 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 use it and apply it as a, as a key principle in our marketing. And Excel sheets, PowerPoint decks, not going to tell us everything. Absolutely. I mean, you look at a brand like Overholt, which is just an absolute bartender darling. It's a brand that bartenders have have always viewed as as something that is very very true, very faithful, very important to them. And it's an incredibly special brand that that my team works on, and we've been working on for the last few years. What are we get, What do we want to do with it? How do we want to you know, make it a, make, make it have its due, you know, Overholt's one of the oldest main continually maintained whiskey brands in America. It's been around since 1810. It has this incredible story. How do we make sure we're telling that story, but at the end of the day, doing so in the right way for a brand that has this really rich bartender following and this really rich bartender authenticity to it. And when we talk to them, if you look at anything we've done on Overholt in the last three years, every single one of the things we have done has come directly from talking to bartenders. Uh, things like trying to go back to non-chill filtration the way that it used to have been done, which gives it a different type of flavor. Bartenders recommended that. Taking the proof up on the base product, bartenders asked, recommended that. We've got a couple other things we're working on in the hopper that, again, came directly from bartenders. And it came from looking at them and saying, hey, we're putting some focus on this. We're looking at this brand. We want this brand to get what's due. What it's due is, what would you recommend? What are the things that you feel need to be changed or need to be improved or need to be enhanced in any single way? And they gave us those insights directly. Um, and I got to say, as proud as I am of the work we've done on that brand and as incredibly excited as I am of the work we're going to do on that brand, none of it would be as possible 
as it, had we not gotten that insight directly from bartenders, right? We wouldn't have found that on a, on internet searches. We wouldn't have found that by just sitting in a focus group room and hoping that some people showed up. This was going into bars, talking to our teams, talking to our sales teams, our ambassador network, asking them what they're hearing and then bringing that in and building that into brand strategies. And it, it puts together what is what I think a really incredible plan for the next five years for that brand only because of the Gemba of going to talking to all of these people and actually getting the insights that we got from them. Yeah. And it's also not just about, um, it's not just about getting the insights from them, but also figuring out how we can best help them. What do they need? What, what, what do they need from this brand to help pour it, how they want to pour it or to help recommend it or to help sell it, how they want to sell it. And a lot of it is, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, um, creating tools, arming the sales team, providing education, giving the bartenders kind of the info they need. But the other pieces of it is how do they extend our brand story? How do they take it as their own? How do they turn a brand that we kind of work on and we sell? And how is it theirs? How is it theirs in their one-on-one relationship with a customer who's standing in front of them and saying, what's something new I should try? Or what did you recommend? That's, it's their brand at that point. Um, how, do, how, how, would you, how do you feel about that? kind of dynamic of them taking it forward. Absolutely. I think it's the best thing you can do. Um, we, we know from talking to consumers everywhere that in most cases, the most important person they will ever listen to outside of friends and family in terms of recommending a, a spirit, a bourbon, a whiskey, whatever to drink is a bartender. Um, every bartender behind a bar has credibility and some have varying degrees of, of you know, where that credibility comes from. But any consumer who set, who's walks up to a bar asks, what should I try? Or even if they don't ask, if a bartender recommends it, that creates a moment that will stick with them and stick with that brand that was recommended for the rest of the time that they're drinking anything. And so for us, it's not just a step in the process of having bartenders tell the story. It's actually the most important thing we can do. Again, besides driving friends recommendations and family recommendations through other sort of avenues, it it tells us that that is that is crucial. Um, and any brand that's not thinking about bartenders as storytellers or as recommend engines and just thinks about them as someone who serves a drink is missing the role that they play in these consumers' lives, right? That's where you're missing out on the ability for them to evangelize your story and frankly, to be more credible doing so than you ever will be um, yep. as a brand marketer and or as a sales per, um, team member or as an ambassador. The fact that this neutral third party who knows so much about spirits. That's the thing that I love about bartenders is that no matter how much you think you know about the category, no matter how much time you've spent in whatever distillery or with whatever educational course or seminar, you sit down with a bartender and you are blown away by the level of knowledge that bartenders know, but also the level of humility that most of them have with knowing that. It's just kind of part of their their day-to-day. They just know all this stuff. And so for that person to recommend something to you because it's super cool what Shinji Vakoyo from Japan did with this secondary finish of cat, the secondary cask finishing and worked with Fred No to blend together to create Legion. Or it's amazing what the history of Overholt is and how it's still around 210 years later and it's still damn good whiskey for a damn good price or all of those pieces individually. The fact that that's coming from them, it's not just a step in the process, it's actually a mandatory if you're really going to sell and, and evangelize the best brands in the world. And so we think about it and we look at that and we work really closely with our on-premise sales teams, our on-premise marketing teams, our regional teams, everyone along the way to say, again, it's not just about what facts they need to know. It's about what, what do they need to be able to evangelize? What do they need to be able to sell, to support, to recommend, to tell the stories we want it to tell? Because ultimately that is the single best engine we could get for trying to convert a consumer and get a consumer to really want to buy 
this brand versus something else. And so let's talk about the consumer for a second. A consumer is a word that I'm sure we all hate because it so hate. literally talks about just the <laughs> physical act of consuming. But a consumer isn't just, they don't just consume. They also evangelize. They also recommend. They also, you know, they, they're not just uh, entities, widgets that drink products. Um, they, they have conversations about our products. They recommend our products, all that. Um, but to talk about this person who consumes, this, this end uh, customer of ours, um, they go through what we call the consumer journey. And when we're talking about marketing, we also kind of market very, very kind of hand to hand combat where we are kind of in a bar offering a consumer a sample, and, you know, from, from the most macro level to the most one-on-one engagement level, kind of in everything in between the consumer may hear or see about our brand once they probably won't necessarily trust our brand. If they see or hear about us once mm-hmm. they might kind of see an ad, they might hear about us from a friend, they might, you know, see something in social media. And then ultimately when they sit down at the bar, they might see it on a menu. They might see the bartender kind of recommend it. Can you talk about the consumer journey and how the bartender and the bar restaurant obviously plays such an important impact on a consumer, but that it's not, nothing's in a vacuum. Talk about kind of that journey of how a consumer engages with a brand throughout their given day. Totally. I, I think, you know, one of the most interesting things, and again, this is true in all marketing today. But it's been, for me personally, one of the most interesting parts of coming into spirits from, again, a more traditional marketing brand background is it's so many of the most classical ways you learn about marketing and consumer journeys look very linear. It's awareness through to try or through to understanding, through to trial, through to all the kind of stuff like that. And especially in this category, it's it's a big old circle and it's it's got detours and it's got every which way, because the reality here is, again, for most consumers. In many ways, the first time they learn about a brand is with trial, right? Think about a, a classical product that you didn't know about. Probably the first time you learned about it was an advertisement or maybe a recommendation of some sort, but you didn't actually literally try the thing in that moment. That actually, like, marketers have to convince you that you had to try it. And then maybe you liked it. You actually wanted to buy it more often. In this category, think about the first times you've tried so many things. It's because a bartender recommended it to you, or it's because your friend brought you a bottle, or it's because you sat down at a buddy's house and you said, hey, do you want to try this new thing that I got, or this thing that I love you might not have tried before? And because of that, it all works back and forth and back and forth that you might you might talk to a consumer eight or nine times, or someone might talk to a consumer on behalf of your brand eight or nine times before they actually purchase And so our job is to think about all of those eight or nine times. And how do you make sure that when they're in the market in a store and they're wondering what's the best bourbon for this barbecue that I'm hosting, they're thinking about it that way. But then also when they're in a bar and they're thinking about, you know, I I really like really big flavored bourbons. I want something that's got a really robust, deep flavor. What's the right thing for me that you've got an answer there. And then they're thinking about they're flipping through a magazine or they're watching something on Hulu and they're thinking about what drink they're going to drink. You're talking to them there. And so it's really, it's not linear at all. It really does kind of come and go. And it's all about making sure that they're hearing about you. They're seeing you. And especially at that moment of trial, that that moment of when they did try it for the first time, is as amazing as it possibly can be. And so coming back again to to where the on-premise sits, there's really not much better of a moment of trial outside of, again, your buddy brought you a bottle, outside of like, you know, friends and family, which there's nothing we're ever going to do to compete with your friends and your family. And that's okay, right? Our job is really to enable them in every way. There's not really much better of a moment than a incredibly trusted source, a bartender standing behind a bar with incredible knowledge of what the category is, what makes whatever it is that he's taught he or she is talking to you about sitting down and saying, this is the thing you should try. 
and then you try it. And that's such a powerful moment in that journey that that we can't underappreciate and underestimate in any way as we think about what we're going to do to try to, again, convince consumers this weird word that we all hate, but kind of is just the right word to use in this moment to convince them that this is the brand that they should try and they should buy over a period of time. Yep. Yeah, that, that's, um, it's, that's the ultimate challenge is figuring out those, those eight or so different touch points and how, do we, how are we there for those? How do we kind of, whoever's involved, how are they enabled? How are they armed? How are they kind of educated um, in the proper way to make sure that kind of our brand is, the story is told properly in every touch point. That's the ultimate, the ultimate goal. Um, I guess to put you on the spot here, looking for some examples <laughs> from you, do you have any examples of um, what you view as best in class, whether it's work you've done, your team has done, our company, maybe other brands have done um, to market, but with the lens of the on-premise channel, do you have any, any kind of major success stories or just kind of comparable wins that you have always kind of been inspired by? Yeah, I think there's a couple that I've, I've really been inspired by in many ways. Um, you know, there's a number of brands that have just found such a success in really smart use of point of sale within the on-premise. Um, and really smart doesn't mean it's everywhere in the bar, but it's about having a really nice tool um, or having a really nice el- option or nice element that really can remind bartenders of what they're doing or remind bartenders of what the brand is. I think that what some of the stuff Beam Centauri has done that I've been really inspired by has been the brands that have looked and said, what's the best way to market with or to engage with bartenders, but in a really down to earth or really sort of meet them on their terms way. Um, and I think about work that we've seen through House of Centauri and some of the experiential events that we've done with House of Centauri, where we've brought bartenders um, into really private and exclusive events. Um, I think about some of the work we did with Legion when we launched Legion three years ago. And, you know, whether it was really high end omakase dinners or whether it was a beautiful educational tour um, for the bartenders that that attended that to really hear from our ambassadors and be in this really beautiful space to sort of understand what it is. And it just makes it a little bit different than just someone coming in and talking to you and being there. And those are the things that I get really inspired by um, in terms of sort of the events themselves and the experiences themselves that are built. And then I look at at some of the things that our ambassadors have done. And that I think is the best in class um, of all best in class. And that that's across the board, across the industry and, or across the, the categories within us. But you look at some of the experiences that they've built. You look at some of the, whether it was things like gym class a couple of years ago that our bartenders built from a gym beam perspective, but really a bourbon perspective. You look at some of the small batch dinners they've done. You look at even some of the Basil Hayden and Knob Creek experiences. And this is just talking on behalf of the bourbon team, but then you, they, that's replicated in scotch. It's replicated in tequila and cognac and gin and just this incredible ambassador force that we have that has put together just a menu of amazing programming to engage with our bartenders so that it doesn't feel like they're being lectured to. It doesn't feel like they're coming into a seminar, like they have to learn or take away. It's just that they're coming in for an experience. And I think that, you know, and and also we're giving them something to, to really enjoy beyond just the bourbon itself or the whiskey itself or the spirit itself. That to me is the best in class. Um, and I think that our ambassador teams and what they've been able to come up with across the board has been some of the, you know, that that's the stuff to emulate for the industry in general and stuff that we continue to have to, to push and push and push as we go forward. Yeah, that's great. If, and if I could add one other example, this kind of a, a broad example, but just the, the, the way that brands are able to bring, uh, bartenders, buyers, off-premise, you know, store owners to our distilleries, to our home places and to kind of allow them to select and in some cases customize their own product. And this is through single barrel programs, 
Maker's Mark Private Select program. We do this with El Tesoro Tequila, with Knob Creek. We've done it with Jim Beam. Other brands obviously do this. This is a kind of macro trend where uh, the on-premise can actually kind of inform what product they sell. They get their own, they get to put their own stamp on it. In some cases, they select the barrel from other from the rack house, they choose which barrel is the right one for them and for their customers. In some cases, they actually help contribute to um, finishing the age of it, which of course with, with Maker's Mark, they're able to kind of kind of inform a bit of uh, how it's aged in the, in the final kind of legs of its, of its uh, journey. And I, I think that's something that we know bartenders love. They love to be able to customize, to personalize the product for themselves. Uh, they tell us that their customers often will choose a product because it's, oh, they're kind of private select or their own single barrel. Um, that's just another, I've, I've seen certainly it, it spans categories, brands it's done across spirits category. And it's uh, I think it's been a big uh, successful marketing trend that kind of merges marketing and sales together. We were able to kind of bring them along. Totally. I mean, one of the most, I, I always think about this. One of the, the best experiences I've had in this job um, was I had the privilege to uh, attend maybe about three years ago an, an experience like that, a single barrel selection. Um, we had an on-premise account. I don't recall the state, but it was an independent on-premise account. And the bar owner had brought his head bartender and a couple other um, people from behind the bar. And the conversation you know, with our Knob Creek program, our single barrel selections take place in Warehouse K, which is where a lot of the Knob Creek barrels are stored. It was Booker's favorite rack house. You're standing there. You are thiefing the whiskey directly out of the barrel. It's this really incredible experience. And so in general, it's a really great experience. But the highlight for me was the 45 minutes, and that's not an exaggeration, that we spent watching the bartenders and the, the team from there debating which of the three barrels that they were selecting amongst would go best in their old fashioned. And this goes back to, again, the fact that that bartenders are not just they're not just robots who just make drinks based on recipes and then push them out. They have this intimate knowledge of all of the little intricacies that makes the best drink and that you makes your spirit go best within that drink and watching them be able to truly choose a barrel of whiskey that can make the type of old fashioned they want. One of them had more wood notes. One of them was sweeter. One of them had a little bit more spice. That was the debate they were having was what kind of old fashioned do you want to have? And consumers at the very, very end of the chain don't realize all that went into someone, someone probably ordered that old fashioned at that bar and didn't realize the amount of time and care that went into selecting that barrel for that old fashioned, but it's incredible. Um, and yes, as a brand tool, it's an amazing brand building and marketing tool, but as just the ability for for us to give the opportunity for an account for a bartender for an on-premise play for account for our sales teams to work with accounts to customize that approach and to not just pick based on ah this one tastes the best to me but even to have the chance to pick based on i want this type of old fashioned this is the bourbon that's going to go in that old fashioned is something that that we continue to celebrate. We continue to think about how are there ways we can do it even more often? How can we do it with more brands? How can we do it in a better way or a bigger way? Um, because it's just such a, a foundational and amazing experience that, that can't be replicated by many people. Yeah, that's great. So I guess um, we've covered a lot. We've covered the gamut around brand building, marketing um, in a way that delivers proper experiences and stories for the consumer, but also um, engages the bartender in a way that feels authentic and right and kind of value value add to them. Um, is there anything we haven't touched on that you think is kind of critical as our, our listeners are trying to gather kind of the, that balance? Yeah. I think the only other thing that I'd throw in is we've talked a lot about the role bartenders can play 
in the consumer's journey and all the stuff that we've talked about here. One of the things that I think also people in our teams sometimes tend to forget, and it's something that we're pushing really, really hard on our teams to really consider is the fact that bartenders are consumers too. And that level of knowledge and that level of depth that they know about the category, not just makes them an incredibly influential part of a consumer who doesn't have that level of knowledge's journey, but it also makes them a really invested part of the whiskey community. Um, and many bartenders have their favorite brands. And, and one of the things that's really interesting about them is in some cases, that means that they might not love the brands that the consumers at large love because they know that that for some reason they have a preference in some other ways, or it's that they're able to see through the marketing fluff. Um, there's a lot of brands today that, to be quite frank, are built on more of a brand, more of a marketing, more of a design aesthetic, more of a, a visual identity, and more of a hype than they are on the quality of the liquid themselves. And vice versa. There's a lot of brands today, and this is, I'm talking well beyond Beam Centauri's portfolio as well. There's a lot of brands today who probably aren't getting the credit they deserve for the quality of the product that's in the bottle. And bartenders tend to kind of know more than consumers in terms of which ones are which. And so that's another thing that our teams are thinking about very frequently as we, we sometimes forget, we tend to talk about bartenders as an important part of a process and incredibly important. It could not be undersold how important they are, but also they are consumers and they have their own preferences and they're incredibly influential, not just behind a bar, but they're incredibly influential to their friends and family because their friends and family know the roles that they can play. And so thinking about that as well is a huge part of what we do and what we do working with the on-premise teams, the regional marketing teams, the national marketing teams of how do we make sure we treat these people as people? And we talk to them as consumers as well. And we talk to them about, Hey, here's this thing that we actually think you might like, not we want you to go sell to someone else. It's actually, we actually made this thing and we think this is actually kind of for you. We think that based on all of the things you've told us, this might be a product you're going to really enjoy. That's sometimes something that we've seen marketing teams across the industry um, sometimes forget. And something that I think that we, we continue to push on, we continue to push on our teams to think about uh, just our tenders are people too. And how do we consider, continue to think about them as that? That's a, a great principle. We should write that on this wall, right? Now. <laughs> Um, so I get, well, thank you for taking the time. This has been a fun one. Of course. Um, also again, we've been working together for years. We've never had headsets on and microphones in our faces. Super creepy. Super creepy and <laughs> enjoyable, especially with the cocktails in front of us. Totally. So per tradition, it, you know, we typically finish these episodes with a, a proper toast with the, the little bit that's left of our drinks. Um, I will lead this one and, uh, feel free to, to add if you want to do a second toast. I'm going to toast to the, to the bartender, not to be too, uh, to try, but to to the fact that bartenders are people too. You totally took mine. I'm gonna tattoo that, was that gonna on my mind. Yeah, that was good. I, of course, literally stole it. Like no, no one, no one can deny that I just hijacked that from you, busy. I mean, we literally have it on. You literally tape. said it 30 seconds ago. Uh huh. But I, um, I I agree with it. You've inspired me. <laughs> so cheers. Cheers. Top shelf integrity is brought to you by Beam Centauri Inc., Chicago, Illinois. Remember to always drink responsibly.